Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, back with another episode here in The Truth. Back with another episode of On the Court, episode number two. What is On the Court? Well, On the Court is your, I almost say daily every time in this podcast, but it's your individual team preview for the upcoming NBA season. Got clever with the name, and instead of doing 32 teams in 32 days or 30 teams in 30 days, we decided to do On the Court. I am joined once again by my co-host, AJ Ponciano. AJ, how are you doing here today? I'm doing good. I mean, we're starting off a new series here, so it's a little bit of adjusting. We're trying to figure out exactly what works best uh, for looking at stats and everything then to give you guys the news, but overall, it's been solid. Yeah, we just recently did our first episode uh, when we talked about the Boston Celtics. If you guys haven't talked or listened, well, obviously you haven't talked to the episode, but if you haven't listened to the episode, I highly recommend you go check that out. Boston Celtics, a very interesting team upcoming here in the NBA season. Today's team, however, is the Brooklyn Nets. And if you guys are new to On the Court, we'll go over our three key players, our bust, our breakout player, our sleeper player, team MVP, again, two draft picks slash offseason moves. Then we'll have our two keys to success and our conference standings prediction for the upcoming year. So without further ado, go ahead and give me your three key players for the Brooklyn Nets this season. So my first key player is going to have to be Mikkel Bridges. And we saw what he was able to do once he was given the keys basically to be the number one option uh, in that uh, Kevin Durant trade once he's traded over. He finished uh, the season with 20.1 points per game, four point four rebounds, 3.3 assists. Just overall, he was the focal point there. It seems like every other game when he first got there, he was getting 40-plus points. I mean, he just – he finally found the place where uh, he belongs there. uh, With the Nets, he was able to find a place where he was comfortable and be the number one guy, uh, which definitely was not going to get that treatment there. I mean, having Booker and Aiton and Chris Paul, he was going to be the number one. Next up, I got to go with Nick Claxton. I think he really emerged last year uh, to be that defensive guy that he's always shown he's able to do, but he's able to show more on the offensive side also, averaging 12.6 points, 9.2 rebounds, uh, almost two assists a game, which I would say is a little bit more surprising. I don't think a lot of people uh, was going to think Nick Claxton would have given you uh, six points – or, sorry, uh, been able to give you uh, two rebounds, but – you know, kind of doing a little bit of everything out there. And then also on the uh, defensive side, Claxton is probably one of the best rim protectors out there. I mean, he's definitely uh, – he should be in there for defensive player of the year candidates for big men. And my last one's going to be a little bit more surprising. I'm going to go with Spencer Dinwiddie. I really like Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, I watched a decent amount of him when he was with the Mavericks. Uh, he's gone around to a few teams at this point. The last year averaged 17.3 points, 3.4 rebounds, 6.5 assists, uh, with pretty good shooting uh, numbers as a whole. And last year, it seemed like once he got traded over, uh, he played more of that true point guard role. Uh, his points per game did go down by roughly one point, uh, but his total rebounds went up and his assists went up by four, uh, four, re- four assists per game uh, in the 26 games that he did play over there at Brooklyn. Uh, I think Dan Witte is going to uh, keep on progressing with that. I think he's going to stay right around that 16, 17 uh, points per game. But I think his rebounds are going to go way up. I think they're going to use him more as that uh, true uh, 
that true point guard and being more of a pass first, but also able to hold his own out there uh, in the ISO game if they ever try to disrespect his game and give him a little too much room. My first one is going to be Macau Bridges, obviously. 20.1 points per game, 4.4 rebounds, and 3.3 assists to go with 46.8% shooting. Talk about a complete roster change for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they had James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Everyone's like, whoa, let's see how this turns out. And it did not turn out at all like they were expecting it to. Everyone's gone. But with part of everybody being gone, they get some pieces back. They get Spencer Diddy, Macau Bridges. And Macau Bridges was one of the more underrated players in the Phoenix Suns team. Macau Bridges, a tremendous defensive player and that's one of the things i love about him he obviously can shoot it he can definitely score it but he's a great defensive player averaging a steal to a steal and uh, 0.2 0.1.1 steals per game last season for both phoenix and brooklyn i think as you mentioned too he now has an opportunity to really shine his first full season there with brooklyn with the suns he was kind of shadowed by uh, deandre ayton devin booker and yeah, he was a good player, but he really wasn't talked about as much because he didn't have the opportunity to. Now you look at the Brooklyn Nets team, a team that's kind of re- rebuilding, not necessarily rebuilding, but trying to rebuild their team because obviously losing Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and uh, you know James Harden wasn't the best of situations for Brooklyn, especially since those three didn't get to really play together with each other. Pause, of course. Um, you know, Macau Bridges has an opportunity, as you mentioned, to basically take the keys that was given to him with the Brooklyn Nets and be, you know, the centerpiece for them moving forward. And he's a guy that, you know, he's still relatively young, um, not as young as he was as a rookie, obviously, but he's still going to get up there and then have good success and can maybe be the beginning of the foundation there that the Brooklyn Nets are trying to build. Next, I'm going to go with Spencer Dinwiddie. I love Spencer Dinwiddie. He makes his return to Brooklyn last season after getting traded from the Mavericks as part of that Kyrie Irving deal. You look at, like, Jason Tatum for the Celtics, which we talked about yesterday. He's really, like, a 30-point-per-game guy. I mean, guys like Dinwiddie and Mikel Bridges together, in my opinion, combined for, like, 20 points per game. Not necessarily combined, but each individually there, which is good to see kind of a balance there. And I think these two alongside, paired alongside each other, is a really good connection. That's something that they're trying to build there in Brooklyn. And that's one of the reasons why I'm excited to see Spencer Dinwiddie play. I think both players complement each other one very well. I think, you know, a dynamic duo here in Brooklyn is a must. Dinwiddie's had a longer career. He's 30 years old, getting up there a little bit in age, but has still been very efficient consistently anywhere from 14 to 18 to even 20 points per game, um, you know, for, for his start, his uh, time there in, in Brooklyn and also in the Mavericks as well. And so a first full season together with Dinwiddie as well as Macau Bridges, I think is a very dangerous duo. And there's some other pieces I will talk about later on this Nets team that can really make this team go from pretenders to contenders. And then, as mentioned, Nick Claxton as well. Look, again, not a lot of people know a lot about Nick Claxton because he kind of hid in the shadows there of that really dominant team that the Nets did have, or the Nets did have, or, or were supposed to have with the big three. But Nick Claxton's a guy that's very reliable. I mean, he's a great, obviously, finisher. You know, playing the center position, but he also averaged two and a half blocks per game last season, which it seems like is kind of absurd. Um, you don't really see a lot of guys averaging 2.5 blocks a game but you got some good perimeter shooting got some good defense as a whole and again we've already said this i feel like popovich says it best but defense wins championships and that's why the spurs were able to win their championships back in the day and 
you know, look at the team like the Celtics, which we talked about yesterday, and now the Brooklyn Nets here today. There's some young pieces on this Brooklyn Nets team that can be tremendous defensive players for the Brooklyn Nets moving forward. And yeah, their offense maybe not won't be top tier compared to having the big three that they originally had. And not to say that they even played together to begin with, but their defense is going to be, you know, top tier. And it's going to be huge for them moving forward and just kind of putting them in the right direction and kind of not necessarily changing this franchise, but putting them into a better position with how well that they can play on the defensive side. All right, go ahead and give me your bust. So my bust, I have Ben Simmons. It seems like they've been trying to push out Ben Simmons all last year. Uh, played 42 games, only started 33, then got injured. Year before that, he had the he had that back injury, slash he held out uh, in that time. The last year averaged basically seven points, six rebounds, six assists, 1.3 steals, uh, half a block. It seems like it's, it's just going to be hard to fit this fit Ben Simmons in. I mean, they have a good thing going. They have Mikkel Bridges. Uh, they have Cam Johnson. They have other guys that they've signed. They have Claxton. They got young guys like Cam Thomas, uh, the point guard, Dinwiddie. I mean, they have Dorian Finney-Smith, who I think was an underrated piece of that uh, Dallas Mavericks trade and that, and that Kyrie trade. Uh, it's just going to be hard trying to fit him in. I mean, if Ben Simmons is back to the old Ben Simmons averaging uh, 14, 15 points a game, sometimes even 16, uh, giving you seven, eight assists, seven, eight rebounds, I mean, that's going to be a solid guy to be able to have in there. But it's like, are they going to start him and kind of mess up the chemistry that was going on there because he was away from the team for so long and kind of didn't want to be with the team at times, I feel like? Uh, or is there gonna be? Is he gonna fit right in? Is he gonna be down there with Claxton uh, and be more of a uh, power forward, small forward instead? That uh, uh, kind of like small forward, power forward build, but also be the point guard because you have a point guard. You have a young one and a, and a veteran in and Dinwiddie and Cam Thomas. So it's gonna be just an interesting issue in how they're gonna use Ben Simmons if they even keep Ben Simmons now his whole thing's been injuries also he's missed two years with injuries his rookie year and then just two years ago and also will end him last year so mine's going to be Cam Thomas I know you talked about him a little bit but for me Cam Thomas entering his third season in the NBA look for Cam Thomas he's one of those guys that I guess I just have some more question marks especially with the way that this team is rostered compared to where it was rostered in the past. And you'd make the argument with Kevin Durant and guys like that, that Cam Thomas wouldn't really be able to shine. But Cam Thomas, you know, being the guard that he is, there's some really good guards here that the Lakers do have. Obviously, bringing in some guys, you have Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith, you know, kind of running some backups as well. And so you look at, you know, Cam Thomas, and I just don't think his impact's going to be there per se. Now, before, obviously, he was kind of backing up like guys like Kyrie Irving, for example. But now they got two young guys, not necessarily young guys, but two guys in Spencer Dinwiddie and McCall Bridges at the guard position, plus Dennis Smith Jr., plus Ronnie Rocker Jr. And I just don't see him making as much of an impact with this team compared to where his team was in the, or the team was in the past. And that's one of the reasons why I'm shying away from him. He did average 10 points a game last season, so he's a good, reliable bench option. But I think he's his work's kind of going to get overshadowed with some of the other guys that they have in this team. And I guess some of the other guys that they would per se have some focus on compared to guys like Cam Thomas, so they should be focused on. But I do believe, you know, there's going to be a good future with Cam Thomas and the Nets. Just this season, I think he's more bust potential than star potential. All right, your breakout player. 
So my breakout player is uh, Cam Thomas. I really like Cam Thomas. He's de- he showed flashes of having those big games uh, when he did get fin- when he finally did get full minutes. Uh, last two years, he he's played sixty seven and fifty seven games, seventeen and sixteen minutes. So he was getting a good amount of minutes, uh, just not consistently. They were starting him, and they took him out, and then they benched him some games also. Uh, but averaging last year averaged ten point six. Year before that, eight point five. Uh, not the best. He's not going to give you defensive numbers. Assist one point. He's going to give you right, right about one assist, one to two rebounds. I mean, he's not going to do much else but score. But sometimes a team just needs that like spark plug. Just to have someone just go out there and go give them thirty points, forty points. Especially when a team's in a slump, when a system isn't working as well. Mikel Bridges isn't is down or Cam Thomas isn't shooting as well. Just having someone to go in there and be, like I said, be that spark plug. I think that they're going to want to – I think that uh, this is a team that could use that a lot more, uh, especially uh, if – sorry, especially if Ben Simmons doesn't come back or they don't use Ben Simmons or they have Ben Simmons off the bench, whatever they do with him. I think Cam Thomas is a great scorer. I mean, he's almost, I would say, the opposite of a Ben Simmons where Ben Simmons can – uh, score a little bit, but give you a lot of rebounds, give you a lot of assists, be more of that like point guard, uh, big man ca- kind of dual role. Cam Thomas is the complete opposite. He is a strictly straight scorer. That's all he does is score. It seems like he can score on anyone. He's still super young. Going into his third year, being tw- about almost 22 years old now, I think that if they, re- if they need a spark plug, they need something – they need someone to just go score uh, because no one else can or everyone's just having an off night. Cam Thomas is going to be that guy. Call me crazy. Ben Simmons, my breakout player. Can you classify Ben Simmons as a breakout player? Probably not, but I'm going to because nobody's talking about him. And to be fair, respectively so. I mean, the guy's played more NBA minutes the last five seasons than I have, and for me, that's zero. So, yeah, his biggest thing is staying healthy, contract talk, just everything. And I mean, what could have been with Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and uh, James Harden was drawing a blank of the other guy, for example. What could have been? But that's no longer gone. That's It's completely gone. And, you know, going into this year, I'm going to go with Ben Simmons. Like, he's, he's one of those weird number one overall picks. He's like an Anthony Bennett, but not as bad. I mean, Ben Simmons, last season, 6.9 points, 6.3 rebounds, 6.1 assists, 1.3 steals, and 0.6 blocks. That is the most balanced stat line I think I've ever seen. The guy that can play the five, it can also play the one. I mean, it's ridiculous. And for a guy like Ben Simmons to not be able to be on the court like he's been able to, it's been disappointing to say the least. And I'll be the first to admit that. But you pair him alongside Didwin. You pair him alongside McCall Bridges. I don't know. I think Nick Claxton's good, don't get me wrong, but you put Ben Simmons at the five, or even the four for that matter, a healthy Ben Simmons with the way that he just distributes the ball to guys like Dinwiddie, to guys, I mean, not for me personally, but Cam Thomas, to guys like Mikael Bridges, to guys like Nick Claxton, and plays good defense, he stays healthy. I'm telling you, he's breaking out this season. He's currently healthy at the moment, but who knows? I mean, maybe he'll get a paper cut and be out for the season. That seems what it, be, it is at this point, so... Who knows, but I figured why not go with a risk there and break out player Ben Simmons. And I'm going to continue to go on the Ben Simmons trade. Till he, well, I guess he, he's kind of proven that he can't be, but there's still potential in there for him to have a good breakout season. And 
I mean, for those that play fantasy basketball, you get some consistency with Ben Simmons. What you don't get consistency with with Ben Simmons is him staying on the court. That's why a lot of people get concerned with it. And the biggest thing in the NBA is being on the court. And that's also the title of the podcast series. So I'm going to go with Ben Simmons being on the court this year. I really am. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But it's a risk that, risk that I'm worth taking. All right, your sleeper player. So for my sleeper player uh, is going to be Lonnie Walker. Uh, last year, averaged 23 minutes per game, which is roughly where he's been the last couple of years, 23, 25 minutes, somewhere around there. Uh, played 56 games, so a good amount, 11.7 points, uh, about two rebounds, one assist, uh, about a steal game, or a steal every other game. Doesn't really foul, plays decent defense as a whole. His shooting percentage is really solid. Uh, it is 2%. Uh, so inside the arc was 52% uh, from three point was, uh, was almost was up there or has gotten better from the years before uh, at 36%, uh, but not the best, but Lonnie Walker in the playoffs, he was electric. And it seems like he's been in the league for a while. I think he was drafted the same year as Luca or the year before. And he's still only 24 years old, still super young. Uh, but in the playoffs is where he, I feel like he went off. I mean, Played a total of 13 games, 13.8 minutes. So got less, got about half the minutes uh, with the Lakers in the playoffs, 6.2 points. But it seems like he had that one, uh, he had that one game. Uh, I can't remember who it was against. Maybe it was the Warriors. I can't remember exactly who it was, but he just went off. And I think that's something that they're hoping that he's going to be able to do. I think that he's going to be a, a guy coming off the bench. Uh, I mean, they're going to have their main guys, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson as their starters, Claxton, uh, Dim Witty between Dorian and uh, Dorian and Ben Simmons, kind of who's going to start there probably at like the four. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, you have Cam Thomas coming off the bench. Uh, you have Lonnie Walker. You have Dennis Smith. You have other guys like that. I think they're going to rely on uh, Lonnie Walker. Outside of Cam Thomas, a lot of these bench guys aren't scorers. And Lonnie Walker, when he gets hot, he has streaks where he could go out there and give you uh, 20 points off the bench uh, every other night. Yeah, I got Lonnie Walker as my sleeper as well. Look, I don't think a lot of people are talking about Lonnie Walker, probably because he's going to be on that bench role there for the Brooklyn Nets. But he's the guy that can be a reliable off of the bench. You mentioned how it feels like he's been in the league forever. He really hasn't, but it does feel like he is. I remember when he was with Miami, crazy hair and everything in the March Madness. I mean, an absolute legend. Been there, done that. Been in the primetime situations and in college. I mean, with the Spurs, he was, you know, somewhat impactful. Again, a good role player. And with the Lakers, I think he just completely fell off the radar. But he averaged 11.7 points per game. That's just because the Lakers are just have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, not a lot of opportunity for him to develop, but – for him now to be on a team like the Nets, it's a perfect opportunity for him to develop. It's a perfect opportunity for him to be a reliable option that the Nets can go to in tight situations, a guy that can play good defense, a guy that you know learned under Greg Popovich, probably one of the best coaches of all time. I think his impact on the Nets is going to be profound. He's going to be a great reliable option at the guard position to go to in case an injury happens or just in a late-game situation. He's a good, not rookie, but a good young veteran in the league. All right, what about your – I didn't do this with the Celtics show, but what about your team MVP? So my team MVP is going to be Mikel Bridges. Uh, I mean, last year when he came over, as I mentioned, 
at the beginning short beginning of the show he was electric i mean 40 point games like every other night it felt like um since when he went over to uh brooklyn i he averaged 26.1 points per game when he was with phoenix he averaged 17.2 his rebounds were right about the same about four and a half assists went down about one but it makes sense because he's scoring a lot more uh, he average, still averages about a steal game, uh, a block every here and there, solid defensively as a whole, shot 53% uh, from inside the arc. He shot 37% uh, from three on the year as a whole. He shot 38% f- from three, 51% uh, from, uh, in, from the inside. Just overall, I mean, he, he provides everything. He provides defense. Uh, he clamps up guys. He may not get the steals or blocks, but just as a whole, uh, that's all he did. He doesn't miss games, knock on wood. He I, won't, I believe it was something along the lines. He hasn't missed a game since, like, his junior year of high school or something like that. He's consistently on the court all the time. Uh, once he got traded over to uh, Brooklyn last year, he had a chance to make uh, history to be one of the only guys to play 83 games uh, in the regular season because once he got traded over, there's an extra game uh, that he already played through Phoenix that he that wasn't played with Brooklyn. So it's one of those things he's consistently on the court and you see what he's able to do when he's given the keys to lead the team. Yeah, I got Mikel Bridges. I mean, this guy is insane, especially for how he, not necessarily young he is, but experienced he is. And Again, with Brooklyn, it's an ample opportunity for him to grow. We've touched on it a lot. And just, I think more than anything, he's just going to be a really positive asset for the Nets that they can use to, you know, make a postseason run or even win some big games that they're maybe not expected to and compete with some of the teams like the Celtics or the Bucks in the East, Eastern Conference. And having him for the future is going to be huge for the Brooklyn Nets and their development. Again, with the Brooklyn Nets, there's like a lot of just like average guys that can be great guys and can really help the Brooklyn Nets team get back to the postseason once again okay any key draft picks or offseason moves so i'm gonna go with both their draft picks uh where that were back-to-back picks first one i'm gonna go with noah Clowney. uh he's a forward out of alabama won sec all freshman last year averaged roughly 10 points nine or eight rebounds and about assist a game he isn't much of a three-point shooter from uh from being a forward, he only shot 20, uh, 28% from three, but his field goal percentage as a whole was still 48%, 55% efficient uh, efficient field goal percentage, which is a lot better we like to see when he is taking better shots. He does shoot them at very, a very better clip. Uh, as a whole, he's he plays a good amount of minutes. I mean, he averaged 25 minutes a game last year. So overall, he's going to be one of the solid players, one of those younger players, uh, as I mentioned, he was a freshman last year, winning freshman, uh, winning SEC freshman of the year, or not, not of the year, was all conference freshman. Uh, and the next one, I'm going to go with Tariq Whitehead, uh, 6'7", 220, uh, 22-pound forward uh, out of Duke. Last year, 8.3 points, uh, 2.4 rebounds, one assist. Uh, Field goal percentage was at 42.1, but his three-point percentage was at 42.9. So a lot better three-point shooter uh, as a whole. Shot 80% from the field, uh, from the free throw line. Defensively, uh, he wasn't the best. Uh, only about – he was about one steal under a, uh, half a block per game. 
just as a whole, one of those guys, again, he's going to be younger, uh, being a freshman last year as well, especially also coming out of Duke, one of the top college uh, basketball schools. It seems like no matter who they are, they somehow find a way uh, to get drafted or at least get some type of minutes in the NBA. And who knows, he could be one of those guys who could make that difference there. And then for offseason moves, I only have one big one that, or one that I, I really like, and I think it's going to be more of an underrated one. I put Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, I wrote, or is Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker. I think Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, is going to be a solid backup point guard. Uh, he's going to be one of those guys who he's kind of changed his game a little bit around. He averaged 8.6 points per game, 3.1 rebounds, and 4.8 assists. It seems like he's becoming more of a true point guard uh, than he was before, uh, especially now leaving uh, Charlotte where he kind of didn't he didn't fit into what they have I mean they have LaMelo already they have uh Terry Rogier he found a new place and then Lonnie Walker of course uh and as mentioned before quite a few times at this point uh I think he's gonna have probably one of his better seasons now he's gonna have full time minutes there's a good chance he is gonna come off the bench but even then he's probably gonna be one of the number one options off the bench yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to go with all three of their draft picks. First off, Noah Clowney, power forward center from Alabama. 7-3 made his impact on the defensive side tremendously for the Alabama Crimson Tide last year, and one of the reasons why they were number one seed in March Madness. Obviously, um, you know, just the players that they had there, they were pretty good, to say the least. For a guy his size, you know, he shoots 28.3% from the three. That definitely needs to be an improvement. Again, with this team, like the Brooklyn Nets, the way that they're built, they have guys that can be shooters. But Noah Clownley reminds me a lot um, you know, of, of just a, a guy that's just going to be finishing down low in the paint and, and being one of those guys that, like maybe like a Nick Claxton, for example, is going to be good on the defensive side and a good finisher in the post because he's an inside beast and he's a good pound-for-pound pick, especially being in the first-round selection there. I think more than anything, teams do shy away from their identity when they're in the draft. They maybe go for the flashiest or biggest guy, but – for the Brooklyn Nets, to me, this seems like a pick that just fits their culture and fits what the Brooklyn Nets want to do. So, obviously, a lot of success there for him. Um, I think, you know, as his career goes on, and again, just being in Brooklyn is a perfect situation for him. And then Dariq Whitehead as well, shooting guard, small forward there from Duke. Again, another tremendous option from another tremendous program. He was 18 years old when he was drafted. He was the second youngest pick in franchise history, but he's very mature for his age. I think this pick will prove dividends in the end. He comes from Duke, as you mentioned, with Coach K not being there anymore. It's still a very dominant program. And, um, you know, he's just a tremendous athlete. He's, he's 19 years old now, just flies all over the place, especially at the shooting guard small forward position there. He's almost going to be uh, not necessarily too confident. It's not the right word, but too chaotic at times, just because these young guys in the NBA feel like they – you don't want to be the next Steph Curry, LeBron James, and then just kind of fly all over the place. But he's a guy that's very mature for his age. He's a great shooter. He can only improve. And, I mean, I don't think um, for him, I don't think he'll score down low, which is fine. He's got guys like Nick Claxton and even Noah Clowney. So being a good uh, shooter, especially filling up some of the bench roles and just continuing to develop under the Brooklyn Nets system, I think is going to be huge for him. And then Jalen Wilson, their second-round selection, small forward, power forward from Kansas. Another good bang for your buck pick. Unanimous Big 12 player of the year shot 20.1 points per game and 8.3 rebounds as a starter there for Kansas. I think his size was the biggest concern coming out of the draft, which is why he fell. 
But for me, he's one of those guys that he's only going to get stronger, in my opinion. And he's going to be a guy that has a tremendous impact for the Brooklyn Nets moving forward. Again, some of these guys that maybe aren't the most athletic or the most strongest, it's obviously a concern, especially in the NBA. Because it feels like in the NBA, the NFL, and really all professional sports outlets, speed's everything. And it can kind of be misleading at times because speed isn't everything. There's athleticism. There's vertical, especially in the NBA. There's all these other factors that teams have to consider when drafting them, but they're kind of oblivious to them at times just because, you know, maybe he's not the fastest guy, the most flywall down guy. And that's definitely not the case for Jalen Wilson, but he's a good ball player. And that's what teams should focus on a lot. I think teams are going to focus on moving forward. But Jalen Wilson, again, for the Nets, he's a guy that's like three to four years down the line can be a guy that emerges well. Maybe he'll see some minutes here, especially if they need a quick shot from the perimeter or whatever. But for me, I think as time goes on, he'll be just fine. The biggest thing is how is he going to be on the team in this you know, environment? Is he going to be successful this season or is he a guy that deadline's good? Touch base, you would touch base on Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker. Again, both guys. You mentioned kind of, I think for both, you can make the argument that it wasn't a good fit for them. Dennis Smith there and Charlotte and Lonnie Walker there in Los Angeles, both really reliable guys. and Both guys that fits the Brooklyn Nets system as well. Darius Baisley and Trendon Watford were the other guys that they had added. Unrestricted free agent. Baisley, basically the same thing as Lonnie Walker, just irrelevant there in the Suns rotation. Trendon Watford, a guy that nobody's talking about. He's 22 uh, years old. A guy that's, again, very mature at his age. Good perimeter shooter there at the power forward position. And a guy that's just known for his size. So the identity of the Brooklyn Nets is, is somewhat scoring, but their big man is just really get the rebounds, get the defensive stops, and find success on that side. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Nets have kind of primed themselves to be in a good position there. They made some moves there at free agency. They obviously, you know, lost guys like Seth Curry, some role players there, but they picked up some good role players that they can use down the line as well. Okay, your two keys to success for the Nets. So for my two keys to success, my first one is it's kind of weird, but get a star player, I feel like. I feel like they're uh, losing or they don't really have much of like that star power. I mean, you have Mikael Bridges, who's definitely not making a name for himself to be more of a star power, but it's like you have all these guys who are like not big name guys, but like definitely really good uh, like number two options on a lot of teams. They aren't going to go to many teams and be that number one option. I think if you're able to find someone for Ben Simmons or be able to make some type of trades with some of these younger guys, like if you want to trade someone like Cam Thomas – uh, because another team believes in him and maybe they don't as much and they want to go with uh, a Dennis Smith as as more of the backup or along those lines. I feel like you could get someone if you may package Ben Simmons and Cam Thomas but, uh, to get that start. Go trade to another team and be another team who's looking for uh, maybe not a salary dump but because of Ben Simmons' salary, but be able to match salaries of Ben Simmons and add in a younger piece like Cam Thomas. Uh, and then my next one, though, is if they don't do that, is let Cam Thomas play some actual minutes. Uh, maybe if he isn't the starter, he probably isn't the best uh, player to be a starter with this team, uh, especially at the point guard position. Spencer Dinwiddie probably takes that by a miles being a starting point guard, especially how well he's still able to score, but also still be a distributor. But let Cam Thomas be that sixth man or that seventh man off the bench. I mean, he has that potential to be probably one of the better six men in the league. Uh, go win, go give you 15, 20 points off the bench. And again, be that six man, be a Jordan Clarkson 
coming off the bench, be that uh, be a Jamal Crawford off the bench and go win a six man uh, trophy for the team. He has that potential uh, score inside. Like I said before, he's not going to give you much else. He's a scorer, and that's all he's going to do. So having that come off your bench and be that spark plug, I think if he gets real minutes, even if it's all coming off the bench, averaging uh, more of like the 17, 18 minutes per game, he could get, definitely go out and just give you points. So my first key to success is it's really not a key to success, but it's a new generation of Nets. What will they become? We saw the big three that they tried to create. They became absolutely nothing. What are these younger guys going to bring to the table? What is this Dinwiddie, Bridges, Claxton, Simmons team going to look like compared to the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, um, and, and that team there? I mean, it's going to be different, obviously. They're just At the end of the day, there's just not the same studs that there were there. But how are they going to make their own identity? Are they going to be able to make their own identity? If they're able to make their own identity, I think this Brooklyn Nets team is a team that can compete this year compared to three, four years down the line. I think they're in a really good position moving forward. There's just a lot of good pieces there. But you look at a lot of NBA teams, and you could argue there's a lot of good pieces in so many different teams. The biggest thing is chemistry. That's why the Nuggets won last year is how good they played. Were they the best team on paper? I mean, they had Jokic, the two-time MVP. They had Jamal Murray, playoff Murray. But they just had really good chemistry, really good coach and all that stuff. And that's what the Brooklyn Nets need. You know, the new generation, how can they develop into the, the team that they, they should be? And if they are develop, able to develop into the team that they should be, this is a team that is maybe making a run for the postseason this year. And then again, with a young team that they are, defense is going to help them out a lot because they're not going to over, you know, score. They're not going to score 120 points every game. They may, but they're not going to do it a lot. How are they going to be able to stop other teams? Are they going to be able to shut the door on the other teams? Are they going to be able to play in 90 to 100 contests? You know, are they going to be able to do that? Or are they going to be able to be stalemated? Are they going to stand in the middle and basically do the same thing that they've been doing and just not find a way to win a championship? they got to find ways to have success on the defensive side because if they're able to find ways to have success on the defensive side, it just opens up so many more opportunities for them moving forward. And I say this, I feel like I'm going to say this every show, the defense wins championships. And again, with a young team like the Brooklyn Nets, Defense could quite literally win them a championship. Okay, your conference prediction for their standing. So for the com- for my conference prediction, I have them finishing eighth. I feel like it's one of those teams that, that they're either one star player away or they're going to uh, be just that one player away. But also, this Eastern Conference has gotten a lot better. I know the West has been loaded for years, it feels like now, but this East is definitely coming around. I mean, the Bucks are up there. Uh, the Celtics are up there. You have a lot of teams like that. The Heat are up there. I mean, it's going to be hard to get past a lot of those teams, especially those teams who do have those star powers. I mean, the Celtics, they have Jalen Brown, Tatum, and Chris Stapps. Uh, the Bucks have Drew Holiday, Giannis, Chris Middleton, when healthy. He's, uh, he's going to be good for them. You have Jimmy Butler and kind of uh, – and Bam Bam Adebayo, and then like every Tower Hero if he's healthy – a lot of those guys, potentially Dame Lillard there. I mean, it's going to be hard. This team's younger. i probably give them – they probably need at least a year, especially if they do get uh, if they do get Ben Simmons back. It's going to be one of those things that may take a little bit for him to mesh and be back with this team because if you remember, last time he was with this team uh, last year when he played, it wasn't with this group of guys. He got injured, I believe, before uh, Bridges and Cam, Johns, Cam Johnson and – Spencer Dinwiddie and enduring things before they even came over in trades. So I'm going to go with fifth. That probably is extremely high for the Nets, but I'm really liking what the Nets have to offer this season. I think 
they're going to be better than they were with the big three because the big three were never playing together first off. And just they have more chemistry, and I think their team is more well-rounded and more set. And what I mean by that is what I've talked about early on. I mean, yeah, you have three amazing shooters there with Irving, Harden, and Durant. But now you got some shooters. you got guys that are average shooters, but guys that are great defenders and a lot of young guys that are just hungry, hungry for winning, especially Mikhail Bridges. He's been there, done that. So for a team like the Brooklyn Nets, I think it's not an odd case for them to finish fifth. I think they're going to be one of the sleeper teams in the Eastern Conference. You do mention that the Eastern Conference is a lot better than it has been. And I do agree with that statement, but I also agree that the Brooklyn Nets team is a team that can win this playoff series or two. I mean, they can make a deep run in the Eastern Conference and be better positioned moving forward. You see a lot of these teams that get rid of their star players and end up having more success than they did with those guys, because especially in a, in a league like the NBA, Chemistry is everything. I think the chemistry that they started to build last season with Dinwiddie and Bridges is going to help propel them moving forward. And a healthy Ben Simmons, a healthy Nick Claxton. I mean, just a healthy team in general. Healthy has everything in the NBA. And um, I think this is the team that's just the beginning of a great um, generation of Brooklyn Nets players. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I really do believe this is the year they're going to compete for something. Are they going to win a championship? No. But are they going to get in the right direction for it? Yes, I do believe so. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as One to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information to value. Like I said, I hope you guys did enjoy this. If you guys did, make sure you watch the Boston Celtics episode. I should say listen to the Boston Celtics episode. And stick around tomorrow as we're going to be covering the Philadelphia 76ers. I know a lot of 76ers fans out there are interested to see if the 76ers are finally going to get over the hump and win the NBA championship. Here are our take on that coming up next. And keep listening to listen for the rest of the athletic division. And we're only two episodes in. There's a lot of episodes to come, as always. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm your host, the one you love the most. Niall has been joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.